we leave different, that we leave changed by you, my God. We thank you, Lord. We bless you and we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Round of applause for God. So, what I'm going to be sharing on this morning is actually something that, that with GC, with Generation Church, with the youth, we've been talking on for a long time. I would venture to say that since we started August 21st, we have had a recurring theme. And it's something that I believe for youth is extremely important, extremely important, but is very, very applicable for us as adults as well. And it has to do with our identity, who we are. You look around and the world floods you with images. The world floods you with concepts. The world floods you with ideas, notions, and just different things that it says that you should be. The world tries to dictate who we are, who I am, who you are. It tries to by just, you know, media. Let's not go too far. Media is, is crazy nowadays. Just the music that we listen to on the radio, if you're not listening to the Christian stations, just absolutely everything that we're surrounded with tries to dictate and tries to tell us who we are. It tries to define our identity. But I want to leave you guys today with the fact that there's only one person who can give us our identity, and he already has, and that is our God. He is the one who gives us our identity. It doesn't matter what the world tries to tell you. It doesn't matter what's going on. God is the one who has given us our identity. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. And the Bible is very and absolutely clear on that. You know, when we look at the Bible, and I want to read actually three scriptures this morning. Uh, for those of you that brought your Bible, who brought their Bibles? Awesome. And the more tech savvies, y'all can turn on your Bibles. There you go. Amen. Amen. Let's go to John 1.12. For those of you that have to flip pages, I'm also going to go to Galatians 3.26 and Romans 8.16. John 1.12 says the following. I'm reading out of the NIV. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become. Come on, you can say it, talk. Sons, children, exactly. My version says children of God. And I think you guys are going to notice a recurring theme with the three scriptures that I'm going to read. Galatians 3.26 says, so in Christ Jesus you are all. Come on, we got like three people. Anybody else? We are all. Children of God through faith. Absolutely. Romans 8.16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's... There you go. That we are God's... Absolutely. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Again, the world, it really does try to tell us who we are, you know, and we see it even from the youngest of ages. I remember when I was a kid, I'll share a secret, I was not that good at sports. You know, we have people here like Pastor Solo who is always telling us how good he was at sports. I was the polar opposite. I was not very good at sports. I was that kid that I was usually the last one picked. 
You see, and that when I was a child, it started to define me. It really did. And I didn't really want to play sports that much. I didn't really want to do this. I didn't really want to do that because I started letting that create my identity. I was the one that was bad at sports. You know, we see it with adults. Many times um, here in Lincoln, I'm seeing golfing is a big thing. Yes, golfing is a pretty big thing. And you see people that maybe identify themselves as great golfers, and that's kind of what gives them their prestige. You know, they walk into the country club, and they're good at golf, so this and that. But I think we mostly see it as adults with our careers. You know, and an example I love to use is you meet somebody new. The first three questions, I I, I guarantee it'll come up quick. Within the first three questions is, what do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? And then many times, based on the answer that we get to that question, is how we treat the individual. Let me give you guys another example. And again, I I don't want to sound like I'm looking down upon uh, a certain profession. I, I don't want that to be the case. But many times in our minds, we do have preconceived notions. Let's say you get somebody that is into the waste management or waste removal. Now, we have it very clear that these people make, you make good money in waste management, but maybe in our minds, it's not such a prestigious job. So you have somebody that does that. You treat them, hey, what's up? How you doing, man? Yep, great to meet you. You know, I I do this, I do that. And the way we talk to them is different. But let's say you meet somebody who you see as a prestigious individual, whether it be a lawyer, a doctor, a scientist, I don't know, somebody who in your eyes is prestigious, then the way you talk to them is different. It would be like, good day, sir. How you doing? Very nice to meet you. Yes, very well. You know, like that. The way we talk is different. Now, why? Because in our minds, we are categorizing people. We are classifying them in a certain way. It's really, it is what it is. You know, I, I gave this example not too long ago. I was watching a clip on YouTube, and I saw President Obama. And he was, I think, at a basketball game. And funny thing, he was walking in, and there was a line of people. There was an elderly white gentleman in a suit, and he went up to him, and he shook his hand. Good day. Then he walked right next to him, and there was a younger African-American male, and he walked up to him, and he did this. (laughs) And that, to me, just shows that it doesn't matter what level you're at, we tend to categorize People, we do. It's unfortunate, but we really do. And today, I would want to leave you with the thought that it doesn't matter what the world says or who the world tries to tell us that we are. In God's eyes, which are the only eyes that matter, we are sons and daughters. We are children. Can we get an amen for that? Amen. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. We are children of God. He is the one who gives us our identity. It's not your neighbor. It's not your old teacher. It's not your boss. It's not anybody except the Almighty. He is the one who gives us our identity. He is the one who tells us who we are. Now this morning, I'd like to speak on three aspects. All of that, that was just the introduction. I would like to speak on three aspects of being a son or a daughter. In other words, three responsibilities that come along with the fact, because it's been established, we are children of God. Now, there are three aspects that I'd like to speak on 
in being a child of God. Now, the two, the three aspects are going to be, for those of you that are taking notes, is correction slash discipline, commitment slash covenant, promise slash inheritance. Amen? The first aspect is going to be correction. How many kids do we have here? How many people here are children? Raise your hands. Children. All of you. <laughs> there you go. I like it, Jim. There you go. All children, raise your hands. Wonderful. <laughs> Awesome. How about those of you who have at one time been a child? Raise your hand. I should get every hand in here raised. Amen. We have all at one time been a child. Having been a child, we know what it's like to receive correction. We know what it's like. Us parents, us par- I can include myself in this now. Us parents, we know what it is, what it is to give correction. Many times as we grow up, though, I I feel, I've noticed, that we kind of lose that quality to be able to receive correction. Has that happened to any of you? I've found myself at times in my life in which I think I know it all. It's happened. I'm confessing here. There's been times in which I think that I have all the answers. I've come to realize that that's not the case. That is not the case. I do not have all the answers. And me, Chris Allende, I need to learn how to receive correction. I know how to give it. I've had people under my charge. I've had positions in which I have individuals under me. And I know how to correct. I know how to give forth correction. But many times I forget how to receive correction. We venture to say, and I know I've said it, that for me it's easier to receive correction from God than from man. Because many times I don't like receiving correction from people. But how many know that God uses man? And and I'm going somewhere with all of this, guys. Just bear with me for a little while. I'm going somewhere. I have a tendency to be able to receive correction in theory from God a lot easier than man, but I forget that God uses man. Let me give you an example. I just came, as many of you know, from Guatemala probably about five, six months ago, something like that. And over there, I belonged to a church in which they showed me the importance of spiritual authority. I learned the importance of respecting the man of God, understanding that God puts individuals in position of authorities. I believe it's Romans 13 that says, for all authorities have been instituted by God. There is not an authority in place that has not been instituted by God. You guys remember the scripture? I've noticed a trend though, and please, please don't get mad at me for what I'm about to say, but I've noticed a trend here in the States, and it's a lack of spiritual authority. Yeah, I got two amens on that, two. Um, but I have noticed this trend. Let me give you just a very clear example. We have, and, and I'm saying it now, he's not here. Um, I wouldn't want to embarrass him. Uh, Pastor Solo. I see many people that just treat him as Solo. I, Chris, won't do that. I will not do that. I treat him as Pastor Solo. Why? Because he's my pastor. He's the man that God has put in charge of me. He's the man that God has put over me. And there is a such thing as spiritual authority. He's not just solo to me. 
what I tell him, especially in a public atmosphere, he is pastor solo. There is titles that are deserving of respect. If I was to see Barack Obama on the street, I wouldn't say, what's up, Barack? I'd be like, President Obama. I may not agree with his foreign policy. I may not agree with a lot of things that he does, but he is President Obama. That will not change. If I go to the doctor, the doctor is not like, hey, Bartholomew, Bartolomeo, hey, Petronila. No, it's Dr. Bartholomew. It's Dr. Petronila. You know, there are certain uh, offices that re- desire or, or require respect. And to me, that of being a pastor is one that requires respect. So when I refer to pastor, let, let's give it a round of applause for the Lord. Amen. And I know it's a touchy subject. I know it's a touchy subject because many of us here, we do that. And maybe I'm pulling your coattails. But I think it's something important because we need to understand what is spiritual authority. And we need to understand that we are all people under authority. We are all people that have somebody that we need to respond to. And if we are members of this church congregation, then we have our pastor whom we need to respond to. That's, that's my Belief that that him being a shepherd is in charge of all of us, and one day he's going to have to give accounts for us. Yeah, amen? I, I know I've only got like six or seven on that one, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Amen. So, we all need to learn how to receive correction. And when we receive correction, I remember my parents used to tell me something when I was a kid. And they're sitting right there, they can attest to it. And it's a line that I'm sure we've all heard. You know, when you're getting corrected as a kid, you don't like it. You're kicking, you're upset, you're pouting, having a tantrum on stage. You don't like it because who likes correction? I remember my parents used to always tell me one thing, and it's this. Chris, what I'm doing, this correction, it hurts me more than it hurts you. Have you guys heard that? You know, and, and now I see it to be true. When we give correction, guys, it, it has to be in love. It cannot be in anger. You know, correcting is something that really, it's to set limits. And being a child of God, we need to understand that we have limits. We have limits as children of God. You see, me, I can't do everything under the sun. I can't. The Bible says that all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. There's things that are not in my best interest. And as children of God, we will be corrected the same way as we must give correction. Because boundaries are a good thing. You know, my parents, when I was growing up, they tried setting a lot of boundaries. I was a very rebellious teenager. And I broke out of a lot of those boundaries. And it caused 10 years of addiction. There were consequences. It caused me for 10 years to do things I never thought possible, spend time in jail, and, and a whole bunch of other things, um, because I did not respect the correction. Correction discipline is in place for a purpose, and it's for our good. It's for our good. So I would like us not to look as discipline or correction as something negative, but as something beneficial, as something that we need. I mean, we all establish boundaries for our kids. Why? Because we want them to grow up to be productive members of society. We want them to grow up to be morally sound, ethically correct. We want them to be 
kids of, 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 you know, prosperity. We want our generation, our future generations to grow up and, and just to be productive citizens, you know. But that applies to us as well, even in our old age. We need to be able to understand that discipline and correction is for our own good. Amen. Discipline is not a punishment. It's not. It's really not. It helps us to live in a society. You know, I, I again, many of you know that growing up, uh, going to Guatemala for those eight years that I was there, I worked in a residential rehab where we helped guys that had problems with drug addiction, alcoholism. Many men came in, seasoned men, uh, older men that had issues with drug addiction, had issues with alcoholism, with delinquency. And one of the first things that we did with them that we tried establishing in our ministry was discipline, boundaries. Because for the most part, these are men that have not had boundaries at all in their life. And it's caused them, because of a lack of boundaries, to fall into these serious addictions. So I am a believer in discipline. I really am. I really am. And I know it's not something, it's, it's not an easy subject to hear about, especially from the pulpit. <laughs> I understand that. But you know what, I just, I, I think it's really important, especially for us as Christians, to understand that I would say that is one of the main aspects of being a child of God that we have to understand, that we have to live by, is not just giving correction, but knowing how to receive it. We need to be teachable. We cannot lose that teachable spirit. We can't. We have to maintain teachable spirit. Amen. And the Bible says in Job 5.17, check this out now, blessed is the one whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. Those who God corrects are his children. And it says that we are blessed. There's a blessing that comes with being able to receive correction. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. We cannot lose that teachable spirit, family. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go on to something a little bit nicer now. And it's covenant, pact. Now, I'm sure many of you know what a covenant or a pact is. It's an agreement between two or more people. When we go into a covenant or a pact, there's a certain level of expectancy between both parties. What it basically means to going into a covenant or a pact is the fact that I no longer run my own life. That's what it means. You know, the enemy has a lie, and it's a lie that a lot of young people believe, and it's this, that I can do whatever I want because my life does not affect anybody else. It's my life, and I do with it what I please. Any of you said that? I've said it. I've said it. And you know what? It's a lie. It's a lie. Our life affects people. My life affects my loved ones. Your life affects your loved ones. We no longer run our own lives. Once we become children of God, once we accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, your life no longer pertains to you. It's literally been purchased. It's been bought by the blood of Jesus. Your life is not yours anymore. Your life belongs to him. Amen? Amen. Your life, let's give him a round of applause. Amen. Amen. Our lives, family, belong to Jesus. We are his. We are his. 
you know, and, and, and I see that that much more since I've been married. Since I've gotten married, my wife and I, we actually just celebrated our three-year anniversary. And, amen, amen, yeah. That was nice, that was nice. We celebrated our three-year anniversary, and you know what? I can honestly say in these three years, I've gotten a better sense of what is covenant, what is pact. You know, I used to be a pretty independent young man. You know, I didn't really ask permission for much. I did what I wanted, um, however I felt necessary. But since I got married, I've really noticed that sense of commitment and the fact that, you know, now I've got somebody calling me, hey, where are you? You know, or I no longer uh, just take off and disappear. I let my wife know, okay, I'm going to be doing this and that. I'm going to be doing such and such thing. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. You know, and, and I believe that, that there's power in accountability. You know, to the point that I many times, even when I was living in Guatemala, I was in charge. I was the director. But I would let one of my guys know, hey, I'm going to be doing this, this, and that. Why? Because I just feel like there's protection in accountability. You know, when you're covered by accountability, then you are protected. And a covenant is just that. It's accountability. You know, there's accountability within families. There's covenant within families. Jesus died for us, and we are accountable because he paid for us. He bought us. We are his. He is our Lord. When you call him Lord, that means that he is your Lord. We are his servants. Amen? That's what that means. It's not just like, you know, it's like a genie in a bottle. No, that's not the deal. The deal is he is our Lord. He is our God, you know, and we have a certain accountability within that. There is a functioning. There's, there's mutual uh, give and take type relationship when we're talking about our God. You know, he gives us everything, you know, but he expects certain things. I, I believe in my life, he expects certain things from me. He expects me to behave a certain way. He expects me to act a certain way. There's just a, in my, in my relationship with him, there's a certain level of expectancy that he has on my life. I can't be wilding out anymore. I, I can't. That's, that's not who I have been called to be. You know, there is a covenant and there's covenant within families. And there's a scripture that I, a couple of scriptures that I want to read speaking about the accountability within a family that I think is very important. Remember, I, I, we were preaching on this to the youth a lot. I just want you to keep that mindset. Um, Ephesians 6.4. This is for all you fathers and mothers out there. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. You know, I've had the opportunity to speak to a lot of inmates, done a fair amount of prison ministry, spoken to a lot of uh, gang members, MS-13s, 18th Street gangs, really like really hardcore gang members. I've had the, the opportunity to speak to a lot of them. And there's a recurring thing that I see in a lot of these kids. And it's that their family life was a disaster. Their family life, these prisoners, they didn't have fathers or mothers, fathers mainly, that would rear them in the things of God. Their family lives were a disaster. I think it's so important what the Bible says here to us as fathers, to us as fathers, 
Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. That is our responsibility. I take that as my responsibility. My responsibility is to rear Sebastian in the admonition of the Lord, not to provoke him to anger. That is my responsibility. Ephesians 6, 1 to 3 gives the children their responsibility. It says, children, obey your parents. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on earth. That's pretty powerful because I've spoken to people that are like, Chris, my parents were a disaster. My parents did this to me, did that to me. Chris, my parents are dead. Chris, I've had this situation happen in my family. How do I honor my father and my mother? That's tough. It's tough. It's a tough situation. But you know what? I think that the scripture gives us the answer right here. And it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Many people have asked me, how can I honor my father and my mother? I've had many people, many youth particularly, ask me that. Even grown adults. How can I honor my father and my mother? I think the key is obedience. The key is obedience. You know? All of us here, the majority of us, we're still sons and daughters. This isn't something that's true just for the kids. We need to live a life of obedience to God first and to our parents. My dad and I, since we were kids, uh, since I was a child, he would always tell me this. He would always tell me, Chris, I will not ask you to do anything that's illegal, indecent, or immoral. All the rest, I expect you to do it. <laughs> Pretty much along those lines. Um, and, and you know what? I, 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 that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. So that's my thing, too. You know, I don't ask anybody to do anything illegal, indecent, or immoral. But obedience is key. If we want to honor somebody, if we want to honor God, obedience is the key to honoring God. Amen? Obedience is the key. There is a covenant that is between families and even between us as children of God and God. And obedience is the key to honoring God. You know, when Jesus came and he died for the remission of our sins... We are no longer under the law. That's it. We're no longer under the law. We are under the new covenant of grace. Not by our own accord. We can't make the cut. But because of that sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross of Calvary, we are his children. None of us are good enough on our own. We're not. We're simply not. We're not good enough without the blood of Jesus. And because of the blood. How many can say because of the blood? Say it again now. Because of the blood. Because of the blood, we are now counted as worthy. We are counted as children of God. And that is one of the most important things that I want you guys to take from this preaching today. I know this wasn't the hallelujah, glory to God type of preaching. More of a teaching type. But we really need to understand that we are children of God. And because of the fact that we are children of God, there is responsibility on our behalf. We have a responsibility, but then we also have our promises. We have our inheritance. And I want to finish off speaking on inheritance. While I'm finishing this choir, uh, the band could start coming up. 
the band can start coming up. And I want to speak briefly on inheritance. We all know what it is. It's something that's been passed from a father or mother, from a parent to a child. It's our promise. It's our legacy. God has said that his promises are yes. They are yes. And they are amen. Absolutely. God's promises are for us. Let's, I'm going to read a long portion of scripture. It's Romans 9, 4 through 8, which says the following. The people of Israel, theirs is the adoption to sonship. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of all the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are his descendants are they Abraham's children. On the contrary... It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And the focus, in other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's children. I'm going to repeat that. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. Amen. You know what's impressive about that? Is the fact that if you have said, Lord, I believe in you. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose on the third day. I want you to be my God. I want you to be my God. Holy Spirit, live in me. Guide me to all truth. Help me to live a life that is worthy of the calling that you have placed upon me. If you have said that prayer or anything close to it, you are a child of the promise. You are a child of the promise because God died for you. The Bible says that we are now co-heirs with Christ Jesus. We are co-heirs. That means that we have been engrafted into God's family tree. We are part of his genealogy now. We are part of it. Hallelujah. That's right. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Because there are promises for us. There are promises. God is a faithful God. And as we said a little while ago, His promises are yes and are amen. I would like to take it even one step further. And I would like to tell you that you are the fulfillment of somebody's promise. You are the fulfillment of somebody's promise. I know I am the fulfillment of my parents' promise. I know that. They prayed for me for 10 years, people. 10 years. 10 years. A lot of downs. A lot of downs. But now we're living some up times. Amen? I am the fulfillment of somebody's promise. You are the fulfillment of somebody's promise. I'm sure that there's been somebody praying for you to come to the Lord. The same way you're praying for somebody to come to the Lord. God is a faithful God. God is a faithful God. We are his children. Is there any questions on that? Any doubts? We are God's children. There's responsibility that comes with that. But there's a huge privilege also. The fact that we get to call the creator 
of the heavens and the earth, our God. Amen? That is a tremendous privilege. That is a tremendous privilege. Our God is an awesome God. I'm going to ask you to please stand up now. And maybe you've been listening to what I'm saying. And you're like, what is this guy talking about? What is he talking about? I don't understand what you're talking about. About the fact that there's a covenant between me and God. Who is God? Maybe you're sitting there asking yourself right now. Who is God? Now I want every eye to be closed. Every head to be bowed. This is a very personal time. I, along with some of the pastoral staff, is going to be up here looking. But if you're thinking to yourself, who is this God that Pastor Chris is talking about? And how can I get to know him? I've had a tough life. Difficulty honoring my father and my mother. But I've come to understand that you are a good God. And I want to serve you. I want to be a part of that family tree that you were talking about, Pastor. If you want to say a prayer like the one that I just recited, if you want to get to know God as your personal Lord and Savior, raise your hand right there. (laughs) Raise your hand quickly so we can acknowledge you and help you to make the best decision of your life. This is a decision that will truly mark the difference between life and death. It's a choice and a decision that will impact your eternity. If you want to get to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, raise your hand right now where you're at. Thank you, ma'am. I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else that wants to get to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, please raise your hand. Thank you, sir. I see you. Thank you, buddy. I see you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm focusing on this because this is the most important decision that you will make in your life. I'm going to give you one more opportunity. If you want to get to know Jesus as your Savior, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, raise your hand right now. I see you folks. I see you, hon. Okay. Now I'm going to ask that we all pray this simple prayer. Let's all pray it in unison. And say, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your sacrifice. For giving it all on the cross. I believe you, Lord. I believe you died for me. And I believe on the third day you rose again. I pray you forgive me of my sins. And that you help me to live a life that is pleasing to you. Holy Spirit, rest in me. And guide me to all truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now I want to do... Amen. I want to open up the altar. You know, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life in which I have doubted God's 
promise on my life. I've doubted it. I've come to points in my life in which I have doubted God's, maybe even love for me. And the fact that He loves me so much. There have been times in which I have doubted God. There have been times in which I have lost my identity. I have not really remembered that I am a child of God. Because of circumstance that has happened, maybe I got laid off. Maybe I had a fight within my relationship. Maybe my child has just left the home. You know, a lot of times difficult situations that happen in our life are meant to try us. To help us to go through. But there have been moments in which those situations have caused me to back down and forget who I am in Christ Jesus. The fact that I am more than a conqueror. Amen? It's helped me to forget that. Now, I want to open up the altar to those of you that need prayer. Maybe you're going through what I'm talking about right now. Maybe you're going through something else. I know that the individuals that have been going through the disciples class have been encouraged to come forward over here so that they can receive prayer for something very specific. But I also want to open up the opportunity for you that you need prayer. Either you want somebody to pray for you, you just need that more intimacy with God right now. I'm going to invite you to please don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. If you feel that nervous, tingly feeling, maybe your stomach is kind of twirling like, oh my goodness, should I go up? Should I not? You're nervous. This may just be for you. You don't need to be feeling those physical signs. You may just know that I need prayer. If that is your situation, I would invite you to come up right now Come up and receive prayer while the band is playing some music. Amen? Let's worship God together.